John Kasich wants to scrap the Strickland reform plan. From the Patel studio at WOSU at COSI, this is Columbus on the Record. Joining Mike Thompson this week, Laura Bischoff, Statehouse reporter for the Dayton Daily News. Bill Cohen, Statehouse correspondent for Ohio Public Radio. Bob Clegg, Republican strategist. And Sam Gresham of Common Cause Ohio. When Ted Strickland talks about the state's troubles during his term as governor, he says things have been tough, but he says, at least I took care of the schools. He points to his education reform plan as one of his administration's successes. John Kasich this week said he would scrap that plan, all of it, if elected governor. Kasich told the Cincinnati Enquirer Strickland's plan would be gone. This came up in last week's debate. Kasich says the reform plan does not put enough dollars in the classroom, while Strickland says the plan is working. We want our teachers to have the resources. If they have the resources and the power to control their classroom, they will be more effective as teachers, and we certainly want our students to have the resources right in there. I'd like them to carry those dollars right in their knapsack into the classroom. We're on our way. We're improving our schools. The state's assuming a larger responsibility. We're not doing everything that has to be done, but we've made a great step forward, and I don't want us to turn back and undo the progress that's been made. Bill Cohen, Ted Strickland countered that this would lead to an increase in property taxes around the state. Why does he say that? Well, because part of this plan increases the state share of school funding dollars. I think it's a little below 50% now. The way Strickland computes it, he says, well, this, the first couple years gets it up to 51 or 52. And if we keep doing this for several years, uh, eight or 10 more years, we'll get it up past 60. Uh, and so he says, if, if you stop that, then you're putting pressure on local property taxpayers to face property tax levies, and they'll have to uh, get their money on the local level, which they, you know, they say a lot of people don't like. Bob Clegg, he says scrap it, but he doesn't really have a good plan to replace it with. Well, I mean, does. what he's saying is that the current system that, that Governor Strickland has come up with isn't working. And part of the reason why is the fact that it's never fully funded. And then also you have these unfunded mandates that were put on school districts like All Day Kindergarten that none of them can do because they don't have the money. So they all have to get these waivers. So what's the point of it? Now, you know, when you're talking about funding, right now schools are, you can look at the funding that the schools are getting, and they are actually, some districts are getting less money than they gotten before. He's got this plan that he planned out for the next, what, 10, 15 years, and there's no money there. No money and now, but they, they, if the economy gets better. But conceptually, would you agree that if it was funded at the maximum level, the educational results and the contents would realize what it's purported to do? Sure. Well, but, but then, I mean, but, John but Kasich saying, it a failed plan. Yeah, but John Kasich's not saying that he you shouldn't fund at that level. He's saying that funding that is given to schools should be directed more towards the classroom and away from the administrative overhead stuff, which is what's going on right now. I think his biggest complaint is that the the money, not enough money, is getting into the classroom where you can get the most benefit to children. What Strickland's people are saying right now is. Uh, this plan does put money in the classroom because they say, well, let's look at the components, not just the money, but 
uh, 15 to 1 student-teacher ratios in lower grades, 25 to 1 in high schools, a certain uh, number of tutors, better teacher training, and so forth. So they, they contend, anyway, that this money is going to find its way right into the classroom. Of course, as you point out, this is kind of more like a wish list because this legislature and this governor can't really tell the next eight years' worth of governors and legislatures what to do. So it's really, in a way, kind of imaginary money. It's hard to say it's a success or a failure at this point because it hasn't been implemented. I mean, it, it is, yeah. it, it is, it's very much in the future. And as Bob said, you know, like the all-day kindergarten, that's, that's sort of a nice, easy-to-understand showpiece of, of, the, of the plan. But, you know, most of the districts have gotten waivers to, um, to avoid doing it right away. Because of the cost, and the state can't come up with the money right now, so the cost to them is too much. Teachers, classrooms, the worst. I, I think we have to be honest, though, given the plans that we've seen in the last 20 years for education in the state. I'm not a supporter for the Democratic uh, candidate for governor. Um, or I don't work for them. I don't want to raise the money. Say, that's right. <laughs> I, uh, I'm surprised. <laughs> uh, I don't get paid by them. Um, but I think it's probably the most, one of the most adventurous and forward-thinking plans that has been put out. And I agree with you because it hasn't been funded. Uh, it, it was never realized. And I also agree with you. There is more money on the table than there's been before. And if it's ever funded, it will push the money up to the Education just happens to be one of those things that's important to me. And I was happy to see it. Not only the, the dollars, but the residency requirement for teachers, all the other stuff that came out of it. I was very supportive. But the State Board of Education says this would, would cost an extra $1 billion the next couple of years. And we're facing a 4 to $8 billion hole. Where are we going to get this extra $1 billion uh, for schools, especially if we don't get another input of, of federal money? How about the politics of this? Um, he was pretty blunt. This plan is gone. Now, the rail, we'll get to that in a moment, but the rail plan is easy to say ain't going to happen. But this is schools. Might it backfire, possibly, Bob, on John Kasich? Because he's too extreme. He wants to hurt public schools. No, because it's not like he's saying there should be no state funding of schools. What he's saying is the current system isn't working. They're still, I mean, look how many, every election, how many school districts are still going to the ballot because they need money. And I think what he's saying is let's look at how the money's being spent and let's decide if it's being spent the best way possible. And if not, let's start directing more money into the classroom. I don't, he's not saying anything about, you know, cutting funding. He's not saying, you know, uh, we shouldn't be funding. He's saying, you know, it's not working. And I think that most people in Ohio would agree that the, our school funding system, even under this fantasy plan that Governor Strickland has, is, it hasn't been working. Well, you can call it the fantasy plan, but the old plan was also called unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that Kasich is not offering any details of what he would do instead. Absolutely none. So, I, you know, the voters, I guess, are going to have to try and figure out, well, do I want the the Strickland plan, which has some details but no money? Do I want the old plan, which was unconstitutional? Or do I want the mystery plan? You know? I think that, I think that you, can, you, can, you can laugh and smirk as you want, but the whole idea about the party of no is, is really becoming an issue again. If you're against it, what are you for? And if you're for, well, give me the details well, so I can Ted see. Well, Ted Strickland gives his plan of how he's going to fill $8 billion in the next budget. I think John Kasich would do that, too. But Ted Strickland won't talk about that either, will he? Yeah, but he doesn't want to talk about But you know, you and I know anything. the politics uh, uh, of it is politics. before the November You mean 2nd. politics means you don't you're talk not about specific? That. You don't oh, talk about then that. why are we criticizing Kasich? I'm not criticizing Kasich. No, you just, I thought you just <laughs> were. No, no. Just, just a little, just a little. <laughs> 
In other campaign 2010 news, Ted Strickland finds himself in his own little trade war with India, which has officially complained about Strickland's banning, his order banning the use of outsourcing to fill state jobs. Also, the Ohio Chamber of Commerce has endorsed John Kasich, and the Democratic Party chairman, Chris Redfern, needs a censor. We'll get to that naughty little word in a, in a moment. But Laura Bischoff, first to the Chamber of Commerce. First time in its history they made an endorsement in the race for governor. Right. It's the first time in its 117-year history. This caused um, AEP to drop out of the, the Ohio Chamber to withdraw its membership and say they weren't going to pay their dues anymore. Um, I guess AEP, it wasn't that they endorsed Kasich, but they just thought that they shouldn't endorse anybody in the race, that it should, it should continue with its history of remaining neutral. Um, you know, I think that the, the weight of the endorsement for, for Kasich, it probably maybe solidifies uh, support among business, business executives and business leaders, um, but I think they were kind of in his corner. A lot of them were in his corner already. Why did the chamber come out after not doing it for all these years? I think, I think it tells you how serious the economic situation is here in Ohio. For them to jump out and do this for the first time ever, I think indicates how jobs and you know the loss of jobs here in Ohio, which now is almost 400,000 in the last four years, is, is a big problem. And they recognize that, and they feel a responsibility to jump in. My complaint is it's taken them this long to do this. Mm -hmm when you have labor unions who are so pro-democrat and the business community has always been fair in their uh, you know backing of candidates i think it was time for the business community to get the make a stand and i'm glad they finally did although uh, you know there's yeah. other business entities that make have made like nfib sure um, i don't know if the manufacturers association ever does endorsements but what i was going to say is with the chamber is um, you know five of their board members are former taft or voinovich administration you know, chiefs of staff, appointees, et cetera. And the, um, the woman who headed the political committee that decided, uh, you know, helped persuade the chamber board to, to uh, endorse um, is a heavy Republican contributor. She gave $32,000 to federal candidates, and she and her husband contributed almost $15,000 to Mike DeWine's campaign this year and 5,000 to Kasich's. But so not surprising. I mean, labor unions are very strong contributors to Democrats. That's why they endorse Democrat candidates. And this is the way it's supposed to be. I don't That's why I find it amazing it's taken the chamber this long to actually jump in. I don't think in. the chamber's interested in creating jobs. I think the chamber's what? interested in making money. Chamber is capitalist. And, you know, and if they money can make money jobs. without creating jobs, they will make their money without creating jobs. They're doing it now. The chamber in the past has supported Ted Strickland, some of his yes. moves, m most notably the delay in the last phase of the income tax implementation. The chamber said, we're for that. We think that's a good move. And the other way, too, uh, Strickland supported, uh, even though all Democrats in the legislature virtually all voted against the income tax cut, at least four years' worth of it, and said it was a sop to the rich and big business, um, Strickland did not try to upset those Republican passed tax uh, cuts in the state income tax. And, the other, and then the, uh, the Chamber of Commerce said, this is great, but that wasn't enough no, to, get to, 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 uh, to, to at least get a neutralization of the endorsement process. It is sort of uh, puzzling, though, because the, you know, Strickland had a lot of business support for like the energy bill, for New the, Frontier. He said the, the Third Frontier okay. for the, um, the tax, uh, cuts. tax cuts, yeah. mm -hmm. and also for um, uh, his business regulation executive order in, the, in his. Um, office when he signed the executive order. There was the Manufacturers Association. The, just, it, 
and I think NFIB might have been in there too. Mm -hmm. It was just a long list of pretty much every business group in Ohio. They said the Invacare ad, the ad that criticized the Cleveland area company for sending jobs overseas played a big role by taking on a company specifically. Do we buy that or is that just an excuse? No, I think, I think it shocked the business community to see Governor Strickland put an ad on TV that criticized one of our major employers in the state of Ohio. I think they were truly shocked because they, I don't think they thought he would do something like that. However, you know, he wants to win and he wants to win bad, so I mean, he's got to do what he thinks is best. And I also think recent polls showing Kasich ahead didn't hurt any in at least letting the chamber feel more comfortable in doing this. Speaking of uh, shocking videos, Chris Redfern spoke to steel workers uh, this past week and that was caught on video and let's take a look at it. Graduate from college, now he or she gets health care, your health care, while he or she looks for a new job. It's, it's in the very base terms, we win these arguments. And every time one of these <laughs> say, excuse my language. Chris Redfern is the head of the Democratic Party in Ohio. He was speaking about Tea Partiers in a not-too-flattering way. Um, Sam, Ted Strickland said it wasn't very respectful. I think we can agree with that. But does it hurt Chris Redfern? Does it fire up the base? What's the impact of this? I think if they run it a million times on the YouTube, it may fire up the base. Um, I, you know, I think he got caught inappropriately saying something at a time. I don't know if he knew he was being videotaped, first of all. But the other things they say in the union hall, that was minor in comparison <laughs> to some of the discussion during the, the, the process of conducting business. So, no, I don't think any ears fell on the floor when he said that in the union hall. But for it to become a public item and become a part of the political discourse now, it tells you about the content of the election and how much friction that it is. That wasn't significant enough to warrant the news coverage that it's gotten. The Columbus Dispatch poll of a couple weeks ago showed Kasich grabbing almost half of the union household vote, which was amazing and really bad news for Strickland, and showed the unions they really needed to get that base back where it belonged in the Democratic Party, and I agree with you. I think that kind of thing by Redfern helps solidify the base. I See, I don't necessarily think that this was a accident. I think, think he... Intentional? Yes. The way he has played this ever since... He did it. Shows that he doubled down afterwards. He didn't, didn't apologize. Didn't apologize. And then he gets out the emails to the fundraising and all of that. I think he did it because, and they're all seeing it nationwide, Democrats are seeing this gigantic gaping enthusiasm gap. And they're trying to do something to close it. And I think, that, I think this was all planned out. He's not dumb. All right. You heard it here. <laughs> Chris Redford, don't complain anymore. He's calling you... Smart man. Anyway, 1994, Newt Gingrich and the Republicans had the contract with America. It helped the GOP capture the House and helped Gingrich win the Speaker's gavel. Ohio Republican John Boehner this week unveiled his version, the Pledge to America. It promises reform to reform Congress, balance the budget, and pay down the debt. Democrats like Mary Jo Kilroy and Paula Brooks criticize it as a plan to provide tax giveaways to the rich. Bob Clegg, many of the Republicans who support this pledge have been in Congress a long time. They controlled Congress for 12 years. Yes. Why? Where was the pledge? Well, they had a, Eight years they had a contract, contract with America did in the beginning. You've got to remember that. Now, that let's talk about why they did the pledge, because they heard Sam, and they heard <laughs> Sam say, we can't have just the party of no. So what did they do? They came out with a nice plan that details everything they want to do, which is good. They were very detailed. Um, but they also said something else in that press conference. 
They acknowledged, which I, as a Republican and as a conservative, I thought was great. They acknowledged that they lost their way when they were in charge the last time. Mm -hmm. Lost their way in that the longer they were in, the more they got spending, mm -hmm. the more they fell into the, you know, ethical traps that you get into when, you, when you're in D.C. And they said, okay, we see now we did the wrong thing, and we're going to make sure this time we don't. And this is what the pledge is for, is to keep them on the right path. Now, John McCain said that two years ago. We lost our way. It didn't work out for him. No. Well, it worked this time. Well, we didn't have double-digit unemployment then, did we? <laughs> and it's not just it's not just the uh, actual details of it. I mean, I think it's the tone of it. it to me, yeah. it sounds like a Tea Party kind of a thing. Uh, an unchecked executive, a compliant legislature, and an overreaching judiciary have combined to thwart the will of the people and overturn their votes and their values. Uh, an arrogant and out-of-touch government of self-appointed elite makes decisions, issues mandates uh, without accepting or requesting the input of citizens. You know, I mean, it's the kind of thing you'd get cheers at at a Tea Party uh, event. So I think it, it's meant to also, again, fire up, fire up the Republican base. It, it, it also uh, is something that you would produce if you have a job approval for Congress at 19 percent. Because that's, let's face it, for the nobody whole thinks, for the no, whole yeah, for the whole Congress, right. nobody thinks Congress right. is doing a good job. Isn't that sad, though? No, I think it's correct. I don't. I don't think it's correct. I, I, the 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 full part in this is, you didn't get it done fully last time, right? You didn't keep your promise with America, and you drove us off the cliff. So this time, you're going to drive us off the cliff into La Brea tar pit, and we're going to have a harder time getting up. Is that what you're saying? No, what I'm saying is, it took us what twelve years to drive us off the cliff, or it's only taken you guys two years to drive us off the cliff. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, could this Laurie, anyway, backfire. Independence, you know, they're kind of leaning Republican now, but they, they put it down on paper. They've provided the specifics, but it might be, as Bill wrote, perhaps a little too far to the right and might turn off the modern yeah, voters. A lot of it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, cutting down, cutting the deficit and, yeah. and uh, not being elite uh, bureaucrats or what was the... Put, posting a bill on the Internet 72 hours before, what does that do? Uh, I heard that promise. A lot that of was from, that reading was from Nancy okay. Pelosi, wasn't and it? And repealing the health care bill in total, what does that do? Gets rid of a law that nobody likes. That's what that does. I've I, I had a lot of friends who like it. Well, they're all in the minority. <laughs> the majority of the Americans want to repeal it. I think the risk is that, is that maybe, maybe there are too many details. A lot of, like we were saying earlier, a lot of times politicians want to avoid details because then they can get hammered on them uh, by the opponent later. Like Kilroy and Brooks just did. Well, here locally, Pat Tiberi. He's all in. He, he likes his pledge. Steve Stivers, well, he's kind of holding back. He's the moderate. He's in a. He's more moderate than Pat Tiberi. He's in a tougher race. Does that tell you anything? Well, I'm sure he agrees with major portions of it, though, especially mm -hmm. about spending, taxes, and health care reform, mm -hmm. which are the major components of that. Um, when you're getting into other issues, maybe maybe he might have some problems. But I think on the major tenets of it, I'm sure he's in favor of it, mm -hmm. because you know that's this is what the people are saying now. This is what people want. Okay. I think it tells you Stivers figures he already has the Republican base uh, in his camp because they don't like Kilroy, and so now he's moving to get those independents. Independents towards the middle. And he doesn't want to annoy them by perhaps signing on with John Boehner at this but point. But I don't think we should make the assumption that this is necessarily going to be turning off independents because I don't, I don't think it really will. I think okay. people are at a point now with government that they want to see this kind of action. Okay, let's get to our fourth topic. Another Ted Strickland program. John Kasich says he will scrap. 
is the plan to reestablish passenger rail service between Cincinnati, Columbus, and Cleveland. This week, the Ohio Public Interest Research Group, or PERG, which supports 3C Rail, released a study predicting that passenger trains would create nearly 17,000 permanent jobs and stimulate $3 billion in economic development. Sam Gresham, seems a little too good to be true. Probably a bit rosy, but the concept of creating a, a rail connection between the three major cities in Ohio seems to make sense. And there is the money on the, on, the, on, the, on the table to get it done. Now, whether it's projected to do all those things or not, um, I, I think as the cost of petrol increases, we have to find an alternative to a car. And it's not airplanes. It's got to be something else. A train seems to be a logical thing. Now, uh, again, I'm a liberal, and I support the concept of putting uh, trains in place because it works in Europe, and I know all the other arguments that have people. It's smaller countries that are closer together, et cetera, et cetera. But I think trains are going to be needed, not only for transport of people, but for the transfer of freight. It's more cost-effective long-term. Bob Clegg came out today, Friday, that it's, it's going to take shorter time to get between Cincinnati and Cleveland. So the, shorter. Well, the average speed will go from 39 miles an hour to 50 miles an hour. Wow. Is that enough to convince you? No. Oh. Um, <laughs> this is ridiculous. I mean, once again, we're going to create a rail line for people who really haven't asked that it be created. There's been no great urge of the citizenry to say, oh, my gosh, I want to have a train between Cleveland and Columbus. I mean, if you want to get cars off the road, then let's look at um, rail from the suburbs to the, in, to, to the center of the city where people work and commute every day. How many people are actually going from Cleveland to Columbus and Columbus to Dayton and Dayton to Cincinnati in any given day. And that's why it's not going to be, that's why it's not going to be, uh, it's not going to, it's, you're not going to make enough money for it to run. And that's why we have to have $17 million at least every year to subsidize this thing. Well, the one thing I see now in the community that I am, I see more adults riding bikes. And that for me is an interesting sign to see adults riding bikes. Will you be able to ride a bike faster than on the train though? Uh, Probably. I think what the sign of it is they're much more conscientious of the cost of petrol, mm -hmm. and they're looking for an alternative mm -hmm. other, than, other than I think the only, uh, the only upside to riding the train is that you'd be able to do some work and, and while you're on the train as opposed to driving yourself and not being able to work. Well, but otherwise, it's, it's going to take, take way longer, the cost, and then you have to figure out how to get from the station to your... Mm -hmm. I think, you can improve it. I think you can improve it over time. I do a lot of business in Cleveland. I do a lot of business in Cincinnati. I do a lot of business in Youngstown. If I could get a train where I could do some of the things I needed to do and I can get off, get a cab or get a reasonable price car to where I am, I think that will reduce my cost to be able to do that. And I think it's convenient. I, I lived on the East Coast and I did that and it worked from D.C. to New York. It worked for me. But you just added the cost of the cab. Well, I mean, that, isn't that uh, another $30, $40 to get well, you somewhere? If it reduces the cost of petrol for me to get there, mm -hmm. and I can afford to get a cab, why Maybe not? you could take your bike on the train and then oh, do bike the last, cut just it bike the last mile. Well, there is a decision that's coming up. Do we, <laughs> does the state spend the $25 million for a study when John Kasich has said, I'm not going to go forward with this, and he has a very real chance of becoming governor, should, they, should the state legislature table that study until the governor's yes. race is settled? I mean, just common sense would dictate you should wait on some, and something this big of an expenditure should wait until after the election to see who wins and then go from there. But, I mean, 
It'd be ridiculous to go ahead with a study if if we have a governor who's saying no, I don't want. But this. politically, the Democrats couldn't do that because that presupposes they're going to lose the election. Well. So they couldn't do that. Would John Kasich really give up four hundred million dollars in federal money? If it meant that Ohio would have to spend an additional seventeen million every year on top of that, yeah, maybe. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not it's not like you know it would make us money. You know, when when Strickland presses him on that point, he says, "Well, you know, just un, uh, unleash the money. Bridges. Let it let us uh, use it for roads. bridges and roads." And, but it just doesn't it doesn't work that way. It, yeah. If it, if Ohio gives it up, it goes to some other state for rail project. It doesn't work that way. But he could still say, "I'm going to Congress and I'm going to demand that they give us the 400 million for highways," and then he could still score some political points that sure. way. All right, we're going to get to our final off the record parting shots. Sam Gresham, you're up first. I think this election is going to be much tighter than it is now. And I, I, I still said, as I said before, there will be an October surprise. All right. Bob. I think I said that four years ago. But anyways, that's not my... Um, last week, the big uh, news politically was the indictments that came down up in Cuyahoga County. And I don't think we've seen the end of that. I think there's another big shoe that's going to drop in that whole situation up there. Okay. Bill Cohen? Decades from now, Ohio will have a passenger train, but in the short term, the train plan is dead because no matter who's elected governor, uh, the plan requires bipartisan support to move ahead, and Republicans in the legislature are opposed to it. Okay, and Laura? Uh, I don't have a prediction, but I do have a plug. The Ohio newspaper organization is coming out with a poll. It'll be in Sunday's newspapers, so... Check it out. It's on the governor's race and the Senate race. And we should mention, those of you who are watching on Sunday know the results of that poll. Of course, we tape on Friday afternoon, so we don't know the poll numbers today, but it re really will be interesting. I have a note. It was in Suburban News. Its headline is, 10-year-old ran away from home because he didn't like long division. It was stressing <laughs> him out. Now, if anyone's education reform plan <laughs> can help this kid, <laughs> they'll win the governor's yeah. office. I feel his pain. <laughs> Long division. That is Columbus on the Record for this week. Please check us out online. We are on Facebook and we're on Twitter. You can connect to all of that at our website, wosu.org slash C-O-T-R. For our crew here at WOSU at COSI and for our panel, I'm Mike Thompson. Have a good week. Mm -hmm.